Cannibal Corpse will unleash chaos horrific worldwide on September 22nd. Since 1988, Cannibal Corpse have been at the forefront of death metal, shaping and defining the genre, creating a seminal, incomparable body of work over the following decades. In 2021, they raised the stakes again with their 15th album, Violence Unimagined. Growing ever more complex and intense, and in 2023, they return with its successor, the equally monstrous Chaos Horrific, starting a new chapter in their legacy. Written shortly after the conclusion of the Violence Unimagined Sessions, echoes of that album exist in Chaos Horrific, but this is a whole new beast of its own. Listen now and watch videos at metalblade.com slash cannibal. Corpse. Also, Harm's Way return with common suffering out September 29th. This is nothing less than a full armored and mechanized instrument of war ready to detonate listeners with their incredibly memorable riffs, breakdowns, and impeccable songwriting with subtle melody and point counterpoint. The title, Common Suffering, is a clear nod to the collective experiences of the past three years of chaos, misanthropy, paranoia, disorder, confusion, and anxiety, with the band exploring themes ranging from personal struggles with mental health, relationships, political upheaval, corruption, and political power. Listen and watch videos now at MetalBlade.com slash Harm's Way. <laughs> This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Jocelyn Sharp, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everyone out there? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by... Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on the internet at jocelynsharp.com, at wizardofjaws.com. That's like Wizard of Oz with a J. Um, probably on some backdoor site somewhere from some stolen ring camera footage of me as well you know that too what's a backdoor site what's that's like that's like the dark web oh what are you doing i don't know nothing about the dark web i hear out the what dark are you web doing going on the dark web <laughs> yeah, i'm not on the dark web i'm just saying i have a ring camera in my house so there's probably footage of me on the dark web that's what i'm saying oh okay sylvia what about you like freaking or anything i'm <laughs> <laughs> oh like jocelyn what are you doing? Are you getting paid at least? <laughs> I wish. Shit. Uh, Sylvia, that's me. You can find me on uh, Threads and X and Instagram at It's the Sylvia. Way to go to change it to X. I don't think we've said I that. Yeah. I don't call it anymore. Yeah. And yeah that, it's like, what is it? Good call. And make sure to follow all the co-hosts who's not joining us this week. That is Brandon Hahn. On X and oh God, it just seems weird. I don't like it. X <laughs> and uh, Instagram at your buddy Gooch. If you guys want to follow me, yeah, it just sounds like porn. Sorry to interrupt, but it sounds like porn. I'm just gonna say it. Go it ahead. does sound like porn. Like, hey, I'm on X. Well, it sounds like you're on drugs. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm old. Do people still do X or is it now called Molly? <laughs> what is it? Calls it X yeah, what is it? I'm, I'm just do. But that was a I've phrase. People aren't on X. That's I'm, I'm... anyways. No, it's Molly, bro. It's my, Molly. My it's bad. Not, nobody, nobody calls it X. I don't do drugs. <laughs> I've never heard it as X. Whatever. <laughs> this week, guys. <laughs> this week. All right. So happy to have him back on the show and to celebrate uh, just the, the event that is happening on the 22nd, and that is the new film 
obviously from Brennan Small. Metalocalypse Army of the Doomstar. It is coming out August 22nd. Also, we get our fourth Death Clock album that is coming out August 22nd, and we do also talk about the Army of the Doomstar soundtrack, which on my notes says it's coming out August 25th. Regardless, make sure you guys are checking out Death Clock for the soundtrack and obviously Army of the Doomstar, the film, all of them coming out within this week here. It's going to be really exciting. And the North American tour with Death Clock and Baby Metal, guys. Make sure you are picking up tickets. There's so much going on, but yeah, our chat with Brendan is fantastic. It's going to be here in about 20 minutes, so hang in there. Before that, me, Jocelyn, Sylvia, we're going to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks news. Alright, first story. We got to talk about this new Guns N' Roses song. Mm. Oh, God. Well, we do. We do. Do uh, we? Mm, do we? Listen. <laughs> Guns N' Roses has put out. I know Hard School is an EP, um, and it had. They, and to me, they put out three singles. They put out Absurd, Hard School, and then this one that we're going to talk about. Perhaps. That's. Um, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, that are all le- perhaps, yeah. leftovers from the Chinese democracy sessions. They always say that. And I think we're like put on the web, like they were demos were put out or something like that. So I, I look at it as kind of a way of let me take the power back. Let me let me clean this up and put out what it was. So whatever is out there in the universe is like, no, let me put my stamp on something that I was working on. B-side, mm-hmm. not new album. So I, there's kind of this, to me, like this little bit of a benefit of the doubt. But Chinese democracy... Um, although I did enjoy it very much. I'm not a huge, I'm not like a diehard Guns N' Roses fan, but I thought Chinese Mark C was good. All right. I, I can't wait for the emails. Yes. Uh, had no issue with it. <laughs> it was not the. I don't even like have a response for that. Okay. Which is fine. Like, it's like when somebody's like, I like liver and onions. You're like, I guess. <laughs> you're allowed to think that. I guess. That's <laughs> the best reply to anything. Look. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> We're all apologists to some kind of record. Sylvia, you're kind of a Saint Anger apologist every now and then. I'm not, you know, I'm not bad at it. I'll, 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 I'll die on that mountain. Yeah, nobody should feel judged by me, by the way, because um, I'm a Stampede apologist. So. Oh, yeah. You love Hell Yeah Stampede. <laughs> One of the people I don't know. This is, this is a long time ago, but we had to do our best of the t- <laughs> what, 2010 to 2020. And this was years ago, right? And we had to put together That's... 25 best records of that decade. Fucking Jocelyn said, "Hell yeah, Stampede was one of the best records of that decade." <laughs> and listen, I got no problem with Hell yeah. I got no subjective. Yeah, yeah, it is. I got no problem with Hell yeah. I'm a fan. I am. Love Vinnie Paul. R.I.P. My man. Uh, Chad Great, obviously, uh, fan, a huge fan. But like, if you had to say the worst album that Hell Yeah did, I feel, I feel like overall majority of people would be like Stampede. That's the one with Paul Ryder and fucking the Cowboy Way, right? That's that, that's that run, right, Joss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> so it's like Paul Ryder is not a not not a classic one. song, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but for, unless you're like a slutty redneck teenager, like I was. She's up, oh she's God. down, Paul Ryder. That's that song. Yeah, bro. No, 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 no. I, the <laughs> best songs of the decade. You know how cool it felt to be driving around in an F-250 listening to Paul Ryder. Listen. Smoking a marble smooth. You so, know, my life. <laughs> uh, I'm an apologist for two records that everybody says are bad. Uh, Guns N' Roses, 
Um, Chinese Democracy, I think, is a good record. And Judas Priest Nostradamus, I think, is fa- fantastic as well. Um, but, uh, yes, I understand that the overall majority think I'm wrong. I do bring up uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare in our interview with Brendan here, which I think is a fantastic movie and, and quite an accomplishment from Wes Craven, which I've said for years, but everybody uh, tells me I'm an asshat about it. So I remember bringing that up. To I ch- think I like the New Nightmare. Right. There's things I don't agree with in no. it, but I like it. That's fine. I, you know, I try to sell it to so many people. Like I talked to Charlie Bonanni. I'm like, what about Wes Craven's New Nightmare? you got to revisit it. And he's just like, yeah, no. Yes. <laughs> 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 So anyways, everybody revisit Chinese Democracy. Back to what we were talking about, the new Guns N' Roses yep. song. Um, there is a part of me, that, that again, I, I kind of think I set it up proper where I don't think people should be like, holy shit, this is like new Guns N' Roses. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think people should see it that way. It's technically old Guns N' Roses. It's like the new Taylor Swift, uh, Taylor's versions. Uh, yeah, it's like old songs. But... <laughs> yeah. But when there yeah, is yeah. a, a bra- and Chinese democracy had here's here's the negative. Let me let me turn it. The wait for it, the bullshit that took the decades to do it. The, the... well, the hype too. It was so hype. Well, it was. A... It was also at a time when there was like not as much social media. There was not as much um, podcasting. So really, you would hear about it on the radio. You'd hear about it at concerts you hear about it from other music fans so it was really hyped it was a punchline eventually though right it was a punchline and yeah. oh yeah and as you, soon as it was released yeah and and well <laughs> before that it was like oh yeah so it was decades in axel rose was taking the stage at 2 a.m back then there was so much negative shit tied to that whole process right the whole thing was just mm-hmm. crap and, and and then it's like hey it's coming out cool i'm gonna go get the vinyl I go to the record store. Sorry, man, you have to go to Best Buy. I'm like, now fucking, now it's exclusively at Best Buy. <laughs> like, I remember this, right? It was the whole thing was annoying. I go get the vinyl. I put it on. I'm like, clear your head of all the negative fucking last decade <laughs> nonsense. Fifteen years of Axel and Guns and Roses, and let's listen to uh-huh. this thing, right? You put the needle on. Twenty seconds go by, nothing happens, and then the riff happens to Chinese Democracy, and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm good, right? But you had to like shake away all the bullshit, right? No, no members. You had to have a a, a mentality. Yeah, right. And I and I did mentality. Uh, you know, no, no slash, no Duff, no Izzy. Like, like I said, all that is negative shit, Mm -hmm. and so. That whole Chinese, it came out, like you said, it became like a punchline. It was just this bad era of Guns N' Roses. Um, and then they come back with this beautiful, exciting pseudo reunion with Slash and Duff. Not everybody, but you got Slash and Duff, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. like, Guns N' Roses is back on top of the world, and they're fucking awesome. You go see him, you know, I saw him out here with his, he was in a throne, singing amazing. Allison Chains is opening. Everything's great in Guns N' Roses land, right? Why are we revisiting? This is this is my argument. I'm not even going to say if the song's good or bad yet. Why are we revisiting and re-dropping that era of Guns N' Roses stuff to the world? Like, I mean, like, like, like mentality wise, I know they want to play new songs on the tour that they're doing because they've been doing the tour forever. I get that part. Let's throw in a new song because I know you did Black Hole Sun after the passing of uh, Mr. The Great Chris Cornell. You know, which was cool. Um, and I know they played like a Velvet Revolver song. They they did some stuff, right? That was like exciting for the fans. Mm-hmm. So my only thought process is they're doing these releases to make it exciting for the fans. But is it? It's not good. 
What do you think? What do you think? Sylvia, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts? I mean, unless they're like, they want to put out new music and then they don't really have material to write about. So they're like, well, I have these old songs. Why don't we rework them? And now Slash is on guitar. We got the original members and we'll go from there. And it buys them time to like actually start writing other like new music. That makes sense. It does. I mean, I think that's what it was. I think it's just content for content sake. Yeah. It's like just to have something out there while we're working on mm-hmm. new movie. But are they, is the goal to release a new album or are they just going to be releasing new singles? Well, here's, I don't know. But here's the thing is that the Guns N' Roses brand, okay, that's what I'm trying to say, with Slash and Duff is pretty much un- untouchable. They're fucking amazing. We can go to the Use Your Illusion records and say, oh, you know, that should have been one record, whatever. No, no, no. You listen to those records now, they're amazing. Appetite's appetite, obviously. Um, and then you get your, but that, that there's just like this really like untouchable zeitgeist Mount Rushmore of hard rock from the eighties that they are Chinese democracy is a whole different thing. So revisiting Chinese democracy songs with this, it, it, I got it. I got it. In my mind, it's always going to well, be separate. It's going to be a separate, you know, Axl Rose and everything. Yeah. I was going to say like, um, they're not really the Guns N' Roses of the 80s, you know? Like, they're not young and partying and, you know, what have well, you. Well, they, they have at least 50% of the cartilage they did, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But they can't, they're not going to be writing the songs that they used to, so I think that's why yeah. it's um, But it's not... Like, I remember... Uh, where did I read it? Someone said that the songs that Guns N' Roses have, like the new ones that are coming up, they're more of like the Appetite for Destruction era. But this doesn't okay. sound nothing like that. But I don't think we're gonna get that those well, kind of songs anymore. I I can I, I can disagree. It's gonna be very tough to mimic that. But with Slash's guitar playing and his style and his uniqueness, that alone is gonna make a new Guns N' Roses song written by who's in the band right now super exciting compared to you know well, of, whether of who's Buckethead or whoever wrote or was on perhaps or all the guitar players that were rotating. And I love Buckethead and I love Brain. And I love. You know, all the people that were in that, you know, Guns N' Roses camp at the time. But, like, yeah, the but identity. You, you think you think about, um, you know, what he does with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. You know, Slash isn't going to go out of style. He's, I think no, we've, uh, absolutely uh, that's established. Well, that's what he, I'm saying. Whatever song that he does, it's going to be fine. I'm talking about, like, the lyrics and, you know, what it's about. And yeah, the content. The, the content, Exactly. You're not going to get the same thing. So Slash can be Slash, and he can, you know, tread and everything that you want. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm just saying it's not going to help the songs the three. or, like, the, the content, what Jaws is saying. It, it's not going to help that. It's still going to be Axl Rose. It just sounds like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to sound like an asshole. It's just, you know, they're, they're a little bit older now, is what I'm trying to say. Look, the th- what Sylvia's saying is they used to do drugs and have sex, and then they could sing about that, and now they <laughs> fall asleep on the couch in front of Netflix, and that doesn't really jam up some rock and roll lyrics. Oh, I get it. When you're when you you're, when you're a boxer and you got the silk sheets, you're not as good. I get it. I get Thank it. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, so um, you, got, you got to remember where you came from. But the my point is the three songs released, which are all Chinese democracy holdovers, they don't have the Slash identity. Let's be honest. They don't have that. He might be, if they're re-recorded with Slash, he's just, it's like Slash is a hired gun for Axel. 
in those three songs. There's not the vibe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's it's no. And then I am I wrong? Slash... Do you guys do you guys feel the same or no? No. no. <laughs> wasn't it Slash who said that if they tried Appetite for Destruction era songs in today's world, they would be canceled? Oh, I don't know. I I feel like I I think it was Slash who said that that they would be canceled if they tried the song that they did 40 years ago. They'd be canceled. Well, there's there's so I feel like yeah, there's some songs that they don't know what to uh, I, they don't know what to write about because well, that's upsetting. They're like, if I can't write about fucking teenagers, what will I? Write about? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what do you so... mean? I think that's kind of... What do you mean? <laughs> We're not <laughs> look like look that's. In, in, in fairness, Jocelyn, your statement's fair because there's a lot of 80s hits that are about exactly that. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. I mean, they're, they're literally like songs called Jailbait. No, well, I was just about to say, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget, dude. I was, I was obviously I'm with my wife. She loves me now, but we're driving and I'm singing Motorhead in the car because she's like, you know, she doesn't really listen to hard rock or metal and Jailbait comes on like, she's Jailbait and I just can't. When she hit the radio off, she's like, well, what is what are you what is this lyric? And I'm like, oh, this isn't cool. Yeah, no, this is Motorhead. It's fine. You know, like I'm like, you know, like it's, it's incredible. Like in the Starbucks drive-through, like jailbait. She's jail. Dude, we're we're no, we're, we're like driving to like I don't know. We're going to like you know whatever to California, like four hour drive. And it's like yeah. put on some Iron Maiden Motorhead. She's like, yeah, put something on that's classic because you know she like Ace of Spades and. and it's probably like a best of, and and yeah, I was singing Jailbait, and she was like, "What the fuck is? What's this song about?" And she looks up the lyrics, she's like, "Dude, really?" And I'm like, "All right, let's listen. I don't do this. Lemmy's cool. Leave <laughs> 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 me alone. Oh my God, it's a don't different time, and it's like you don't want to get in that conversation. You can. I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> I just like to sing like one. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> listen." <laughs> We're, we're moving past this conversation because I'm gonna lose. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm back in the car. I feel like I'm back in the car, like singing singing the wrong lyrics. I wasn't singing "It's Only oh, 17 man. by Winger. I was singing a, a Motorhead song. Come on. Um, but my, I mean, you get what I'm saying. Like it's it's just not the same. And I think we're mm. not. They don't, they don't have the, the the experiences. They're not living life the way they used yeah. to. Yeah. I still feel if, fifty, whatever how older they are. Yeah. No, I still feel. <laughs> we actually got a. Last week, Brandon said that Flea and Kiedis are 70, and I knew he was wrong, and I just let him roll with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got an email from some guys like, you really think the Red Hot Chili Peppers are 70? I'm like, dude, I knew he was wrong. I just didn't want to, like, his point is that they're old, yeah, or older, and they're rocking up and down, and Kiedis is jumping around. But, like, so I, I didn't correct them, and I got emails being like, dude, the Chili Peppers aren't 70. I'm like, I know, man, I know. They're like... 60 right i don't Pick know your you know so i didn't <laughs> yeah. look it up but here's the thing is that i always feel like correcting people on little details like that is like you know just let them flow um but i and then i forget that we're you know people listen to us across the world and like we have to get our little like basic facts straight or we look like assholes <laughs> one yeah. of the first yeah. things I'll, uh, I'll never forget and i'll, and I'll just uh, say this and we'll just jump on the next thing is that um there's that word and Antith- antithesis. It's a hard word for me to say, right? Antithesis. Uh-huh. There's an origin antithesis. record. Ant- antithesis, yes. right? And uh, yeah. and I remember being like um, talking about something, and I'm like, you know, the antithesis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> you know, he, you also <laughs> always struggled with nuclear. So I don't no, I can't say nuclear or mercury. There's something. There's something in my language <laughs> that I can't click it out. 
But I remember saying antithesis, right? And I'm like, dude, that's not the fucking word. Like, I read it. It was like a song title or something. Or I forgot. And I'm like, eh, nobody's going to notice. <laughs> I just didn't correct myself. Even though in the moment, I'm like, you just said antithesis, you asshole. And it was with Brandon. I'm, yeah. I was, and Brandon just let it roll. So I'm like, do you backtrack? I'm like, nah, let it roll. <laughs> fucking everybody's like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, they, they don't let us live. Yeah, don't sometimes you just let you fuck us. up and you let it roll. Brandon <laughs> fucked up but, last like, week. And I was like, oh, fuck it. let it roll. They're 70 in your mind. That's fine. I see your point. And he was like, no, flee 70 for sure. Like, and I'm like, eh, he's not 70. But Going back to like Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes. I still feel like, I mean, they sing about California. They're not going to run out of material. I don't know. I feel like um, Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Guns N' Roses like I, I just, I think, I think they're different. Mm. They're like different. One's like cruising music. One's like you know, crashing music. Get in the ring, motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. There, I again. It's because Guns N' Roses has so little output, and they haven't been created. That's that's the truth. Their creative output is probably been lost forever. I mean, Chinese Democracy yeah. was a shit show of Axl Rose trying to figure it out and writing a ton of songs and having a bunch of collaborators and. You know, it was like a, it was, it wasn't what it is. So, but Slash has been consistent. Duff has been consistent. When you put on the Velvet Revolver record, let it be, you know, Libertad, which I think is underrated. And obviously the first one, Contraband, everybody likes. Those dudes can write fucking songs, man. Slither, just alone, that intro mm-hmm. to that track is fucking that's all yeah. i need from slash dude you're like yeah. just, you put that in a guns and roses song and axel can be singing about farting okay and it's totally fine <laughs> it, it doesn't even matter <laughs> yeah he, he, he can just be singing about whatever man you know i'm gonna yeah. be real honest if he was singing about farting i'd probably get back into guns and roses well it's got to be in metaphor <laughs> He can't just say fart, fart, no. fart. It's got to be in metaphor. Oh, he can be no, like, I was hoping for that. I was no, like, no. You know, like a good high C, like that. I want, I want older guys to be to sing about that first BM in the morning is what I need to be. You know, I want <laughs> it. Dad rock. Yeah. You want some old dad rock. Yeah. Like, wow. When like kids don't sleep at night. Yeah. 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 I don't drink no more, but I have four cups of coffee and then I will play golf. You know, whatever they do now. <laughs> Like there's something oh, there's something metal about golf that they can put together is, in a metaphor. Is there, you know? Is there because nothing about what you just saying made me want to punch a wall. It did make me want to curl up on the couch. Metaphors. I'm saying it's motivation. Some hot chocolate. Metaphors. Okay. Metaphors. When I see a title okay, and, it, and it's in the titles perhaps <laughs> or absurd or rock hard or whatever rock school was it called the other song? You you rock you're hard. Tr- <laughs> Well, that's okay. Rock Hard's a magazine from Germany. Uh, anyways, uh, my point is, is that like you're like you guys are trying too hard. Just sing about fucking what's going on, right? Just sing about it, right? That's yeah. it. I can only do six push-ups before I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack. That's a good song, metaphor. <laughs> Just do it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, I I really don't know how you've made it this long without blowing up in the music industry. Lyrics like that, that under yeah. your belt. Oh, I, I'd write I'd write songs. You know, I'd write songs about. <laughs> I write songs. I, no, I, I, I would write. write I would I write, write genuine <laughs> heavy metal songs using metaphors, <laughs> with like a frustrating movie with mo- moment with like my four year old or a cute moment, and it'd be a ballad for like I just make it like romantic, but it's all. Oh, four-year-old smile and we write a song uh, <laughs> like, honestly, uh, it would uh, probably kind of slap it, 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 it would kind of slap is that what you said pop 
I think it would. I think it'd be kind of good. I like what you're saying here. Um, But Guns N' Roses can find inspiration from from being old and rich. (laughs) I guess is what I'm... And Slash... Here's Uh, the thing. Here's the thing. No, no. Guitar licks, okay, and and all that stuff has nothing to do with being older. Dude, you can... can you can lay it down. And when we talk about the Chili Peppers, Frashante, the, the the reunited albums with Frashante, Unlimited Love and whatever, Canteen uh, records, are amazing. And you listen to that song, Eddie, that he did on the second record, Return of the Dream Canteen, and you're like, Frashante's like, I know how to fucking do this, even though I've been doing EDM for 10 years. And you, you're like, oh, bro. Slash is that? Slash has got all that shit. He can pull that shit off. It's like saying Eddie Van Halen, if he was still around, couldn't kill. Motherfucker would kill. So my point We're is, not saying Slash isn't gonna kill. No, We're but Axel's not, not letting them kill. Carry a whole band. They're 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 yeah. re- they're releasing songs like like that don't have they're Slashless songs. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. It. Not Slashless. <laughs> they feel Slashless. They feel. <laughs> Got the Slash soul in there. I don't feel it. <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> There's more I heard coming. So you guys tell us what you think about the Guns N' Roses output and what do you think, you know? Um, again, I'd rather just wait till everybody likes each other in System of a Down to put out a song opposed to write from oh, afar God. or pull some shit out from 1990, you know, 9 and be like, hey, this works. Not lyrically, but, you know, it works, you know. This for something new. Yeah, yeah, write lyrics about a... <laughs> I don't know. My point is, if you're if you're writing lyrics about being a badass skateboarder at 21, and you try to do it when you're 50, it, it come on, man. It, it, it's tough. It's tough because you ain't you, you ain't that badass of a skateboarder anymore. And and right. I, I don't. Nobody, nobody's believing you're ollieing when you walk with a limp. Okay, so let's do a, a <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. Even I just love Siskel and Ebert, and I was you know catching up on their history for some reason. So thumbs up or thumbs down for perhaps. Go ahead, uh, Jocelyn, you first. Thumbs down. Shit, Sylvia. Oh, thumbs down. Me too. Me sorry, too. guys. Yeah, I didn't like. Eh, oh, whatever. Sorry, no. sorry, Slash. Let's, let's, I like Slash. Let's move on. Well, sorry. it's just Slashless to me. This doesn't count. I don't. I don't count this. I count this as as the other band. <laughs> so, so oh, okay. So the ne- Slashless band. The Slashless Guns and Roses. And fuck you, Buckethead. Which, hey, come on, I love Buckethead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love I, I, it. I, 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 but away. I don't. We can't say <laughs> that. Apologies. I'll interview Buckethead tomorrow. Why not? Why not? I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. One of my favorite concerts was Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie <laughs> Brains, and I mean, just it was just an amazing. I was lucky to see that band perform. Uh, I don't. Whenever they put out that one record, and I mean, Buckethead just rules. I seen. Them, I seen him open as his solo band too. I, I never saw him with Guns N' Roses. I just knew he was associated at that time, and there was uh, many other people. But anyways, uh, yeah. So next thing we want to talk about real quick, guys, before we jump into our interview with Brendan, is Typo Negatives, Bloody Kisses, is 30 years old. Um, I can say that I don't remember when it came out. Um, I was alive during that time. But I don't have a memory of, like, all of it, right? Uh, like, like posters and, and all that. I remember seeing the music video uh and just being like what is this and it didn't get me into carnivore and it did get me into the first typo record and it got me into like this guy's fucking hilarious whoever can write a song like jesus hitler (laughs) it's like when you're when you're like 13 years old and you hear a song like jesus hitler or race war you're like what the fuck is this guy doing (laughs) like and then you get bloody kisses right and you're like this is all a joke right this is all a joke (laughs) And then you get October Rust. You're like, is this guy serious? <laughs> He's such a confusing personality. I love Peter Steele. What of a kind. Uh, but uh, Bloody Kisses was, I I don't know. 
I guess now people probably think October Rust is the one. But Bloody Kisses, to me, will always be the definitive everything for Typo Negative, like the record. Uh, what What are your guys' take? Which one, October Rust or Bloody Kisses? I mean, I I only can picture the butthole cover. That's every time. <laughs> the origin of feces. Typo Negative. <laughs> I think of his origin of feces. Hey, so, you know, that, Peter. Yeah. That's probably the most iconic for me just because of the shock value it had. Truthfully. I uh I gotta tell you, I discovered that later later. It's as crazy as it sounds, is like you I was a huge fan. I ran out and got, you know my favorite is World Coming Down. I think that's their best album and i listened to that like that's my favorite but that one i got like at midnight and that was like i remember i got the same day as the fragile waiting in line and everybody was getting the fragile in some i think it was Ghostface killer record and i remember going to the counter at this record odyssey and i'm like hey i need the new typo and they're like we got to go in the back and find it i'm like what i was like offended <laughs> so this dude <laughs> had to stop all this line of people behind me ready for the new fragile right Nine Inch Nails, goes to the back looks for world coming down He's like, here you go. He got in the case is fucking broken. I'm like, you're a cunt. <laughs> like, I'm so mad at him. And I'm like, I'm not going to hold oh, everybody up. But he gave me, he like purposely took the broken one, right? And he gave it to me. And I remember going home. Yeah. And I just like, I'm like, all right, what am I putting in? Fragile or, and keep in mind, Fragile was like, there's a five-year wait from Downward Spiral or World Coming Down. And I was like, no question. World Coming Down, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, just driving all night in circles of Las Vegas, listening to that 70-minute record. I didn't do that with Bloody Kisses, but Bloody Kisses is definitely the one that made it happen. Um, and Origin of Feces, again, Jaws, didn't even know it existed until maybe I was like 25. You're the guy with the butthole cover? I'm like, what? <laughs> so. Well, and it's just like one of those that once you see it, you instantly just associate. When you hear typo negative, you just see Pierce Stills' asshole. And here's you the thing. In your mind. No, now. Well, I, think of, um, I think of the Playgirl. Well, oh, I think of that too, but for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I came across that. I think I was, uh, I, I saw those pictures when I was doing the Middlesex podcast with Pete. You know what? This is very true. And um, not to switch yeah. topics um, on, on from Peter Steele, that one of the legends of our, our time and our scene in this fun, wonderful thing, but when you bring up the asshole cover, I am so happy that it's not, or, or any of the older lyrics from Carnivore that... I'm so happy that we're all good with it, like overwhelmingly in our scene. Because I, I was watching a, a, the Beastie Boys story uh, yesterday, and I'm a huge fan of the Beastie Boys. But I am a check your head, um, ill communication, hello nasty guy. I just need those three records. Everything else I don't give a shit about, right? And everybody's like, Paul's Boutique is this amazing thing. So I, I own Paul's Boutique, but I, I'm, a, I'm a three record guy. But I was so uh, bothered by the fact that they ignored like completely ignored and spike jones did this documentary the fact that adam horowitz at the apollo screamed the n-word at the crowd and almost got like dr dre and everybody killed right and it was like this big deal like this huge thing and then the bc boys went away went to los angeles whatever everybody thought broke up and then paul's boutique happened afterwards they didn't even bring it up and then I, I, I was like, well, I was telling my wife, she's like, that didn't happen. And she's looking on the internet and it's like, they're trying to like, just completely get rid of the fact that he did this, right? Like it doesn't exist. And now I'm like, yeah. does it not exist? This is the thing about digital imprints, right? I'm like, was that a lie that I was told or, or whatever? Was it a like Mandela that? effect thing? Well, like. 
we found a spin article where Dr. Dre did say this is what he said. And so obviously mm-hmm. that came from Dr. Dre's mouth. But this is the memory I had. And I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, how unfair is it that – or I don't know if it's a documentary. It's kind of like a stage show that um, – Adam Horowitz and uh, Mike Diamond did, and it's really cool because I'm a Beastie Boys fan. Everybody's a fucking Beastie Boys fan. You should be if you're not, right? They're they're amazing. Um, and Adam Yauch is one of the greatest geniuses of music in, in our lifetime, you know? So, But my point is is that they just ignored that whole thing. And I'm like, I hope to God nobody does that in our scene where they there is a low moment that like you got to address and you don't own it or you just skip over it. And um, it was just one of those things where I'm like, Peter Steele has a hairy history, but we don't ignore it. We love it. We embrace it. We're like, whatever. Just talked about Lemmy and his jailbait song. And, you know, you watch the Lemmy documentary. He's wearing Nazi memorabilia like a fool. But you're like, eh, it's fucking Lemmy, you know? (laughs) So it's like they just come like they are. And then they don't fucking answer for it. And they have to deal with it. And that's something about metal. And it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but the, the Beastie Boy thing, like... Good, go watch it, Beastie Boy Story, I think it's called, and it's really cool. But like to just ignore that and try to re- revise that part of why the band broke up, or at least that's the way I remember it, um, was just crazy to me, man. It was just crazy to me. Uh, and it's funny he brought up that movie Lost Angels that he did. Adam Horn was starting a movie, and it's like I own it on VHS upstairs, and my wife didn't believe me. I'm like, oh yeah, I have that. She's like, nobody has that fucking movie. Yep. I got it. <laughs> so, with that, that's all I had. That's my rant. 30 years of bloody kisses. <laughs> what do you guys think? Oh, real quick, real quick. I know that okay. kind of ranted because I just, that, that movie's new. Do you guys think that, you know, artists in, in any genre, if, if hey, look, if you're doing misogynistic lyrics or, or being a racist idiot or whatever like that, is it fair? Like, can you imagine a Phil Anselmo documentary just ignoring the fact that he had that incident with that white power shit um i think the issue with problematic behavior or quote-unquote problematic behavior is that people don't want you to not be problematic they want you to acknowledge when you are Hmm. i think it's fair that and then yeah and then just i guess be more remorseful or yeah be, be 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 sorry or because what's upsetting is when when you act like it wasn't anything, then it feels like it's something. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. Oh, and yeah. You know how easy he would have got out of that? Be like, I was in the Beastie Boys. We drank. We did drugs. I was out of my fucking mind. I went on stage. Run DMC's on stage. Raising hell time or whatever. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was raising hell time. And I just was like, everybody's like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And he did it. You know, he goes, and it was a big mistake. That's it. And it would have been done, but not talking about yep. it at all. And I'm like, and then pretending like, hey, we were just burnt out of being the, we want to fight for the right to party. It's like the rest of the documentary. I'm like, what are you withholding, man? <laughs> you know, like the rest of the way as they're doing the fucking all the awesome shit, like, you know, sabotage and, and uh, everything. But I was just like, man, that you, you, just to skip it over was crazy. But anyways, uh, that's just a, <laughs> that's a side story on everything. But with that, we did our time. We did our 30 minutes. We talked about the Metal Sucks news. Make sure you guys are checking out MetalSucks.net and reading up on the stories. Listen to the Perhaps record. Check out their awesome you know, article on the Typo Negative 30th anniversary. The typo Negative rules. And also, just go over there and look at Kid, right, uh, Kid Rock holding a Bud Light can because we could go off on that for another 20 minutes, but God damn, he's a fraud. <laughs> you know, like, so... <laughs> 
Moving on. It's time for why you guys are here. Let's jump into it. Let's celebrate what we love. Metalocalypse, Death Clock. Let's do it all. Here's my interview with Brendan Small. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks on the phone. I got Brendan Small, and we are here to celebrate so much, actually, but Death Clock, Death Album 4 is coming out August 22nd. Also, we do have... Uh, Army of the Doomstar, a feature-length Metalocalypse film, and of course the tour with Baby Metal. It's starting August 30th all the way to October 11th. So much is happening. Let me ask you this. Touring, is that like uh, getting on a bicycle or is it like uh, a little bit of nerves are hitting you because it's been a while? Well, I got to say, touring to me is just the ideal situation doing a one-off which is what we did this time last year and in 2019 it kind of got this whole ball rolling back into the metalocalypse world those were way harder because you got one shot to get everything right so that's the pressure cooker and headlining in front of like you know 10,000 people or whatever we did that's way scarier being on tour is like an opportunity to have the perfect show every night so that's as as a perfectionist as a musician that's what i'm hoping for plus I want to go out. I've had this wanderlust. I've been stuck inside of here making this movie, making these this. Uh, uh, there's a score album too that's coming out. Oh, nice! And uh, the Army of the Doomstar score, making that here, making the movie, and making uh, Death Album Four. That keeps you indoors for a long time. So uh, it's nice to, to to be able to get out of the house <laughs> and see America. I've had. I just. I just imagine myself being on the road and seeing America through a tour bus, and I just. I really love doing it when I did do it before, and I'm really looking forward to it, especially with this team. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's uh, We're so excited. Uh, for me, it's been years. I believe it was like Mastodon High on Fire and you guys. and Yeah. It was, I mean, I don't know how long, like Converge too, right? Was there? That was 2009. Oh, 2009, yeah. Oh, okay. so it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, so it, yeah. but uh, that was a great tour, and it was so fun. Uh, getting to know everyone on that tour from, from Matt Pike to uh, the Mastodon guys at yeah. Converge. Um, and, you know, it just started a friendship, you know, with, with especially with, with um, Braun from Mastodon, too. Like, anytime he's in town, he comes over, and we have, like, basically, we just watch movies together. We just sit and watch movies. We are both movie fans, and we watch movies on the road together, and he comes, and we just hang out and chill out it's really nice i love i got some i don't know I probably everybody knows this i'm usually behind on everything but i got some email saying that because i still do the dvd netflix because i'm shoot i like that red envelope in the mail yeah 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 they shot me an uh an email saying it's done in september and i'm like right it just happened i'm super depressed about it man i know everybody else gave up on it but it was like you, this, know, uh, you know i had this cue <laughs> you're bringing up something that's kind of near and dear to my heart which is physical media yeah. you know and uh i'm a big fan i'm a you can hear me like talk on blu-ray podcasts mm. i talk i have friends like that just they're like me they're movie nerds and i love the physical media i love the commentaries 
I love the feature. This is how I learned how to do what I do for a living. It's like through through Blu-rays. I didn't go to film school or anything. I went to music school. But because of DVDs and Blu-rays and physical media, this is how I learn everything. This is like I watch parts of movie and I just want to hear how the director did X, Y, and Z. So I'm, I'm checking that stuff out all the time and I'm always buying physical media, which also makes me happy that you know, in a streaming world is so in flux right now. Yeah. To know that we have the Army of the Doomstar Blu-ray coming out yes. is a really nice feeling. I, that's one of my questions. I'm like, tell me that was a necessary thing for you to be like, this has got to come out in physical media for us fans. Because I'm the same way. I got a room in my house upstairs, and it's yeah. like it's an extra bedroom. And and the wife's like, yeah, yeah. It's like a blockbuster video, man. I got the shelves yeah. all around, and I'm oh, like, yeah, VHS. I'm, I'm, I have that, but it's <laughs> yeah. disorganized. Mine is disorganized, <laughs> but I, I can find everything. Yeah, I'm the same way. So so just the nature of what this this project is and how it got done, it had to be made through technically home video, right? Because mm. it's not a it's not a theatrical release. So so technically it's home video, which means they have to produce a Blu-ray. So for me it's a it's a win where I get to make a you know, a feature length project and I get to put it out on physical. So so yeah, so that was all really exciting and important to know that that was going to happen in the making of this because like it, you know sometimes they put titles on, they pull them away, sometimes they put them back, and I've watched it all happen to lots of different shows, including my own, mm-hmm. and you don't know where it's going to be. But if you own it and you have it, same with Spotify, same with all that stuff. I I buy the record. I, I try Every to have time. it. Yeah. No, every I'm the same way. I I I you know I want to. I hate to. I don't. I don't. I don't know if this sounds right, but I feel like if I, if I don't buy physical copies, then I'm allowing someone to tell me what I can watch, and I want to watch, what I want. I want to search for it. It's all part of the joy, you know, of finding yeah. things and being like, check this out. And, and it, great point you brought up is I've I've seen movies that have blown my mind. I'm like, oh, you got to check it out. And they're like, where can I stream it? And I'm like, I got to look this up for you. Let me let you, like let yeah. me let you borrow my yeah. shit. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Then, I'm I'm the yeah. same way. I'm yeah. the, I do. I do occasionally. I'll do a friend's podcast. My friend Brian Sauer, who does the, uh, he does a podcast called uh, Pure Cinema Podcast, and it really is cinema nerds. But he also does one called Just the Discs, where he and I have gone and reviewed, and just for fun. Mm-hmm. Just again, I have no, I have nothing to sell. I just like talking about movies, and I like talking about it with someone else who's you know a movie lover. So I've done all these podcasts before where we talk about this exact same thing, physical media, physical media. Man, and that's another thing just to bring up since we're on the physical media thing um, is that special features are not what they were before. Like, it's very hard to get, like, a new movie. Like, I remember I ran out, got Evil Dead Rise because I was stoked on it. No special features. Okay, you know, I accept. But, like, like you said, you go back to the used record stores and you can get... I mean, just something horrible, like, and, and you'll get every kind of commentary you can find on those oh, things. No. So, um, no. special features on this thing was that something that was important to you, and, and kind of it was, but it's also the same kind of thing because what happens is nowadays they are making the Blu-ray as you're making the movie, so they're mm. doing the behind the scenes. So we have a, a really cool featurette that I think really kind of showcases the. Um, the journey that that we all made this kind of like nerdy um animated journey that that this group of very eager people that i'm working with which is just a really great group who are so excited about trying to build something and and try to try to make something look better and and to feel more interesting than anything we've done before but we don't really get a a, a huge because i'm so busy because my my jobs on, on this whole project are to direct it to write it to you know produce it to 
to do a lot of the acting and to to write a, a parallel album that has something to do with it, but also is its own kind of anthology, and then and then a score at the same time. So while I'm while I'm in the trenches, I don't really have time to do commentaries or anything, which is kind of what I really want to do. So I'm considering this kind of interview process to be part of the commentary track because. Well I, I wish I could have gotten more time to do some of that stuff. And I think that's what's happening with the Evil Dead Rises and all that stuff is they're producing everything and they're putting out, the, they're pressing the Blu-ray as they're in production, you know, as they're kind of like locking the picture, locking the color, the timing, everything, the final picture. That same day, it all goes to the, the, the printing presses, you know? Yeah. No, so, I, I didn't know that part, but that makes I think that's sense. that's part of the reason. I, that's my, that's my, I'm kind of making that up, but I, but that's what I went through. So I think that's kind of what other people must be going through. I, no, I, I guarantee it is because there is that um, that demand, and like you said, it's just a quicker process. But uh, to be to keep it positive, uh, which I always like to do, there are a lot of great, I guess, video teams out there. Like if you go to Arrow Video or Criterion Collection, yeah. you know all those things that we oh, we get that 10 year anniversary, 20 year anniversary, and then we get locked lo- locked and loaded with some special features, which I really love the revisit. Uh, and that market that's happening. I don't. I, I mean, I think it was always around, but now it's a little more special because there's B movies that I'm getting. I can get. Oh, st- I'm with you, yeah. dude. I'm like, I was like, I ordered. You don't understand how many Blu-rays I ordered of, like from Vinegar Syndrome, yes, and from Shout Factory, Factory. Screen Factory, yeah, and from Arrow Video, and yeah. from all the companies, from like Kino Lorber, all those places. Like, I am on all their mailing lists. I'm like their prime target, so <laughs> I'm always buying stuff, and I. And I can't, like, 4K releases now. I'm like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep rebuying stuff. And I'm seeing all kinds of cool 4Ks coming out. So so all that stuff is very, very exciting to me. Plus, it's really strange because we never did commentaries. We put out a lot of episodes on uh, DVDs and Blu-rays of Metalocalypse, but we never did commentaries. And the reason was because we were still in production for the most part, you know? And I didn't want to talk about where I was going with the show or where it came from or the process too much because I thought, it's more interesting sometimes to not know. Mm-hmm. But now that we're finished with the whole project, now's the time where I feel like I can talk about it. Because a lot of it was, I always thought it was a secret. It's a very personal kind of secret how, how we make this show and what I'm thinking when I'm making the show. So now I'm blabbing about it everywhere and talking about how it, and The same thing happened with home movies, my first show that I did, which is completely different than this. But we finished the entire s- series. We did four seasons. And then finally we put it out on DVD. And that's when we did all of our commentaries because they were still kind of fresh in our mind, but we never really talked about the process before. Yeah, no, and that, it's so cool. But, I mean, to be able to revisit's a great thing. And I love that. I remember on a couple of the South Park ones I got, um, they had mini commentaries. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it was like a minute per episode. And I wonder if it was a similar oh. thing where they're just like, well, we like this one, but da 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 Okay, moving on to the next. And I'm like, that's, I guess that's all I need. You know? <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Oh, give me, uh, yeah. Give me I, I, sh- I haven't gotten that, but I should because yeah. I'm a huge fan of South Park. Yeah, uh, I, I do appreciate that they still put out the new episodes on DVD because I can't find them. There's t- it's too hard to follow the streaming. Oh, yeah, they're like on every. They're everywhere, right? Well, like I'm like, dude, what's new? What's going on? Do I need a like? <laughs> yeah, do I need to be on Max? Do I need to be on Paramount Plus? Where is this? Yeah. N- another reason that physical media is so important is that just yeah, it just, really is. I, I, I really like that you're flying yeah. to you're flying to physical media flag, and I'm with you. Yes, absolutely. So, um, we talked a little bit about the the, the process starting in 2019. Um, yeah. but having time away. When 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 were did you miss it at any time or was it just like I need to take a break for a minute and then revisit? Like, tell me about like kind of your mental state when you're like, I'm going back all in and we're, we're doing the, oh, album, yeah. we're doing the movie, everything. 
it's really crazy because somewhere like in the you know subterranean you know annals of my brain live uh you know were the sleeping five band members and the other scattered characters and it's it's almost like i i, I keep on thinking like when, when i was getting back into the recording booth <clears throat> with some of the other actors it i just was like oh it reminds me of the beginning of the movie alien where everyone's waking up out of their cryogenic freezing chambers and they're all kind of like just out of breath and bewildered don't know which you know which way is up and where is gravity and all that stuff and it it took a while to really kind of start thinking like these characters um but 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 something we did enough hard work to kind of where they just snap back in and you know they start at some point i start improvising inside of one of the characters minds and they they take over so i start improvising as nathan explosion and he's going to say stuff that i didn't expect him to say all the time i just kind of go you know like like i kind of just go away and nathan takes over and same with pickles and same with with Squibiscar and all those guys. So it's it, it took a little bit. And also, it, we deliberately decided to make this project more intense and more grandiose and with more gravitas. We always thought, on this project, there's Star Trek the series, and then there's Star Trek the motion picture. You know, the series is like, okay, silly fun, and the motion picture is like, oh, no, this is really getting dire. This is getting serious. Wrath of Khan, all that stuff. So I think about adding the gravitas, like the industrial light and magic gra gravitas and the bigger score and the bigger elements and more of a dire situation. So we are mutating our DNA. It's the same DNA, but we're mutating it into an upward, more intense direction. And so, so that's also folded into what we want to do. So I'm considering the characters and really pushing the character work on this one a lot more. So getting more into the characters and waking them up and getting them up and walking around the blood flowing. That really is important. So 2019 was kind of the door open of getting that conversation started. And I knew kind of like we were going to start doing a deal at the very beginning of, of what would end up being the pandemic. And I had that time because the deal wasn't finished. And they, I know they always take a long time to really start kind of thinking about it and start kind of taking my old notes of what this project was meant to be initially and to really kind of scrutinize it and say, okay, I want to honor me from 10 years ago and, and the team from 10 years ago, and I want to also push it into the future and take it out, you know, and turn this into a, a huge Viking funeral in, in every possible way, musically, visually, and all that stuff. So so it takes a long time, and it's a, it's a very careful process. And I'm also, I'm working with, uh, I go into it, I, I surround myself with people that are <laughs> on stage, and in reality, better than me um, at what I do. And so, so in this case, um, I have this really meaty, big outline for this project, and I bring in other writers. And their job is not to touch paper, but to listen to me and to tell me I'm crazy. And those writers are uh, Brian Posehn, Brian Posehn, who's been um, uh, you know helping on the show for years, writing scripts and jokes and everything. He's great, and he understands metal, and he loves it. Uh, Janine DeTulio, who has uh, worked on the show for a long time. She was also on Home Movies with me. She's a brilliant writer. Mark Brooks has been part of the show for a long time, uh, directed a lot of the episodes, directed the Doomstar Requiem. And then finally, a secret pinch hitter who is, who's become a really good friend of mine over the years, a guy named Andrew Kevin Walker, who has written mm, the movie Seven. Seven, yeah, and the game. Exactly. Yeah. Seven. Um, he worked, well, he worked on that, and I know he worked on uh, Fight Club, and I know he worked on... Uh, 
Sleepy Hollow. That was uh, he wrote the script for that. He has the newest David Finch movie that's about to come out this fall on Netflix. He wrote that as well. Nice. He is a powerhouse in structure, and he is a funny guy, and he loves the show as it turns out. In fact, he sought out Titmouse, the animation company, so he could do his movie Nerdland there that he uh, wrote, and um, and so 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 anyway, I've got these people there, and we're talking structure, and we're talking big picture, and we're just you know from bird's eye view, and then I go away and I write the script, and then. I start kind of putting the whole script together in this studio that I'm in right now, which is like, uh, and, and then I record the whole script myself, doing Im imitations of every single character's voice on the whole thing. And I start also at the same time a, um, a version one of what will end up being the film score, because there are really important musical themes that have to connect. And also set tone, mood, is this dire, is this funny, is, this, is, the, is there a ticking time bomb, what's going on, all that stuff. So... Um, so that's the process, and I'm just slowly, and I'm, I'm team building, and I'm bringing people back from the, from the original series, and I'm bringing people back uh, who have helped, and, and also friends that I've made along the way who are really great, great collaborators in the compositing department, which I think is a really important part of animation, and the more I'm in animation, the more I bring that sooner in pre-production rather than leaving it in post-production. So I have a lot of little bells and whistles and tricks and things that I have developed through live action, through making music videos, through doing crazy bonkers um, um, experiments in live action with practical effects. And there's all that stuff in there. So we're using practical effects. We're using ink tanks like from the ILM world, from like Flash Gordon and all that stuff. And we're using animation. We're using 3D models. My brother's a, a makeup a movie makeup uh, artist, so he's worked on tons of things from, like, you know, worked with Guillermo del Toro to all these, he's worked with Gabe Bartolas, who's done, like, you know, Basket Case and all those crazy movies, and my brother's worked on all these things, but now he does 3D sculpting. So I bring all that stuff in, so I'm thinking practical meets, you know, digital meets animation meets, how can we make this look like paper, how can we make this look like old Disney, all that stuff that we're talking about. So, and we're also, everyone's kind of required watching us to watch that ILM documentary on Disney, by the way which is just one of the best things I've ever seen, directed by Lawrence Castan. Anyway, so we're all really excited. We're throwing out gauntlets, challenging all of us to try to do something more exciting and bigger than we've done before. Beautiful. And that's, and that's part of what we all want, right? We want it to be yeah. like a next-level type of thing. I, uh, if, if, if there ever is a universe where they make a Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with Joss Whedon and Sarah Michelle Gellar, I don't want them just all, I want it to be something I've never experienced like I want them to challenge them yeah. yes yes and that's that's the exactly. beauty of it and uh and that's that and that's the that's the challenge that I'm feeling for this whole thing because yeah. we've been away for so long how do we come back bigger heavier scarier more intense more exciting more explosions more murder more death all that stuff love it no I'm super excited and we did talk about the history and uh, on August 15th I do want to bring up you guys are releasing the complete Metalocalypse uh, DVD package everything prior to the 22nd when we get the new film um, tell me about the importance of that packaging uh, and getting that out to the fans and the new fans as well uh, well it's the whole story and it's really funny because this show each season, we had a kind of a new ideology. You know, we're trying to push the ball forward in one way. So we were trying to establish world in the first two seasons. And just comedy, you know, just world and comedy. Season three, we get into character. Season four, we start pushing the story towards where it needs to be because we're, we're all doing everything in relation to episode one and episode two. Those are two very important episodes. And those are the episodes I need to land in the final statement because, because in a TV show, 
our characters are in stasis. They're just like, their arc is pretty much in stasis for the most part. They're the same asshole, dipshit, idiot, douchebags that they must be to be the comic leads of this, pro- of this project. And they only really are allowed to change when you're about to wrap the whole thing up. And so that's also the challenge of this thing. But seeing it in context, in fact, I just mentioned uh, like right before this interview that I think it's really important that everyone sees the Doomstar Requiem, mm-hmm. which is the one-hour-long rock opera special that we did, and that was the last thing we did years ago. Because this project takes place immediately following that, that project. In fact, we back up the record and start playing it right before that thing ends, and that's where we start on this thing. So it should feel continuous. Again, each season mutates a little bit. Even the music mutates as it goes. Um, but the DNA is still the DNA, and the show is still the show, and, and the ideologies that we set out to do must be tied together yes. at the very end. So seeing that all in context I think is important. Getting that whole package together I think is really important. for to really Because I think you'll watch the end of this thing and go, wait a minute. Is this all connected to that other thing? And the answer is, you'll see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited. I got them all already, but like this new packaging, I love getting the new packaging. It's just a, a revisit. It's a great thing. And I'm s- just stoked for the fans to get their hands on this. But we also got to talk about, like I said, I it's hard for me to separate the music and the film. But it is two different entities, you know, even though it's tied together and it's the same. The process is there's a lot of fans out there that just want that Death Clock album so they can listen to those songs over and over and over again and then experience the movie like maybe once, but those songs stay with them, right? Um, so tell me about you know Death Album 4 and, and um, how important that one was because it's been over 10 years since we've gotten a record as well, and that continuation yeah. of story, is that tied in or is it just – I know it's tied into the, the film thing, but oh, it's yeah. tied in oh, yeah. album-wise. This is all okay. So this this record is 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 it's always it, it's like I said when I improvise where I kind of go dark and Nathan Explosion takes over. That's kind of how the music is too. Where I I can maybe get a word in with Death Clock, and maybe kind of push them in one direction or another. But they tell me what they want, and I try not to fuck it up. That's basically how it works. It's almost like being in deep character because what these records are to me is an extension of world building. So you see the show, you see the world, but this is like, this gets to live in your subterranean mind a little bit more. It gets to live in your unconscious, and it gets to kind of be, be another thing that kind of expands the universe and lets your imagination kind of take over a little bit more. And I think that's an important part of this project because, and it's also, by the way, this is much heavier. We go a little bit more, just like the movie, it's a little bit more intense, it's a little bit heavier, it's a little bit more aggressive. So we have one side of the record that is just, kind of music that is just intense, aggressive, and fast, and it's like music to get into a fight. It's an explosion saying, it's a statement saying we're back, and it's also, and then the other side of the record is bigger, more vast, and more mystical, and that's a lot of part, that, that kind of goes into the movie, aggression and mysticism. So there's this kind of, these two poles that are happening, kind of like good and evil. So the, the three projects kind of they kind of balance each other out in this nice way, where one of them is really crazy big and heavy, and also mystical and expansive and epic, where the score is melodic, 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 and the re- and the album, and and the, and the movie ties everything together. So you get the dark half, the light half, and the story half all together, or the thirds all together. And so I think I really think if you're going to really get the full experience, you have to get all of them, because you'll see they do. You can you can just listen to the score and hear the whole story without any words. And to me, that's that's a really exciting, fun thing. 
And that's what I love about film score because we know our favorite movies have great scores. Absolutely, so, yeah. That was what I was trying to achieve. Whether or not it's great, you guys decide. But that's what I was at least going for. That dude, that that is beautiful. Now, one thing I do like to talk about when there is something that I love and I want, and it's kind of selfish conversation, is merchandise. Now, one of the things that I never saw that might have existed were um, the Metalocalypse Death Clock characters as plushies. Have you ever done that? We haven't. We haven't. Yeah, that's um, no, but I can't. I can't a, have you know, Murder Face next to me in bed when I go to sleep. It's not. A, it's not a good little plushie. I, look, let's set it up. <laughs> if listening as a plushie manufacturing uh, factory, contact me and let's talk about it because. I think people should. I think people should be able to to go to sleep with a little Toki plushie <laughs> and comfort them in the night. Or Doctor Roxo. Wow, dude, I didn't think about Doctor Roxo, but that would probably be the big seller. I'm telling you right now. That that's he's built to be a plushie. I know, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. We're Doctor Roxo merch. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So, and merch is a thing though, like that we have to think about, obviously, with the world and stuff like that. So there's a lot of it that um you know, obviously are bad ideas or good ideas, but um, how does the process go when it comes to merch? Well, I mean, there's something about, there are two ways that I think. One is that this band exists and it's not a joke mm -hmm. and it's merch is totally self-serious, as serious as Death Clock would take it. And Death Clock is making those decisions and it's black and white and it's classic. And then there are those points where I go, wait a minute, can we have just something that represents this crazy, bonkers rock and roll Dr. Roxo world or something? Is there something representative of that? Because everyone here is, you know, part heavy metal fan and part animation fan, and those like there's a lot of paths that can cro that can like kind of intervene. So I think about that. I think about those kinds of things, and I, I just think of, again, just like the record takes itself super self seriously. I think the merch should mostly, and I think you may get like one offshoot where you get to do something, something that just doesn't look like it fits in color wise or, or like mood wise. So those are the things we're still, you know, we're about to go on tour. So we're like finalizing all those conversations. I just want stuff that looks cool that people will just be able to, 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 to like, uh, both, to both represent what they like and also kind of make it seem like it's just, it's, not, it's like something that exists in the world because death clock is a figment of our imaginations but they do exist but they don't so we're always straddling that line between comedy self-seriousness and you know just like all music kind of does whether or not it really wants to agreed no there, there's it, there's always a, a tone that you want to keep there's a miss you know there's mysticism behind it like you were using and stuff like that so a lot of it is is so important mm -hmm. and yes we we're the ones that kind of go to it but um, I always say this about horror characters. They scared the shit out of me, and there's always that, like, Predator 2 where it goes camp, right? And you can't go back. Yeah. It's very hard, right? So there, yeah. when you cross the camp line, like Alien never did, right? When you cross the camp line, yeah. um, it's there's only so few series that, that have pulled yeah, it well, off both ways. You I'd, know? Say, I'd say, yeah, the first one that comes to mind in that one is uh, just Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. The first one is terrifying. It is. Freddy Krueger is such a just one of the scariest characters, and the second one he start he's still pretty scary, but, but the story itself is very very different, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then it, and then three is pretty bonkers, and then he starts getting a little s silly, and the series happens, and he gets very silly, and then Wes Craven comes back in and makes it all serious again, yep. you know. So he did kind of go back to. Uh, Anyway, yeah. But I like so, that you brought that up. New Nightmare, I've talked to like Charlie Bonanna. Everybody thinks it sucks. It's still one of my favorites. Do you like Wes Craven's New Nightmare? 
You know what's really funny? As I bring all this up because I'm, I have the needle dropped right in the middle of that movie. Oh, really? So I have the first half I haven't watched in a while, and I'm watching, and, and I have to watch the second half. But I really, the fact that it came out when it did, and we hadn't done that much meta kind of self-commenting movies, to me is a pretty brilliant move, and that would lead him to scream, and that would lead him, you know, to the future of what what he would do. So. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an important movie. Is it the best one? I'm not sure, but like I said, I'll, <laughs> I have to talk to you and watch the second half again and remind myself. Beautiful. Yeah, I revisited it, and I was like, yes, that it, people are wrong on that one. There's a few, but that, that, that's the greatness of horror movies. But you're right, it, it brought back that fear, truly. And it, was, and it was a tough sell for most people. It was a tough sell because they're like, dude, look at – like, yeah, you know, Freddy's yeah. dead <laughs> Like right before you're like, yeah, this is this is no good. So with that, though, I know my time is running out. I got to promote everything one more time. Brendan, uh, so excited to, to get all this stuff. You guys have knocked it out of the park again. Us fans are just we're so and you did everything, too. So we want to talk about the score. It's coming out August 22nd as well. Obviously, Death Clock, Death Album 4. August 22nd, guys, the film Metalocalypse Army of the Doomstar is coming out August 22nd. The whole package, all of it. If you guys haven't checked it out, your new listeners, new fans that haven't seen the world on August 15th, you get it all in a package. Go check that out right away. It's going to be an amazing thing. And then, of course, learn all the songs, guys. You got eight days. (laughs) Eight days before North America gets hit with them, August 30th, all the way to October 11th. Don't sleep on these songs. Don't sleep on this tour. It's going to be amazing. Like I said, I haven't seen you guys, and we just talked about it, 13 years or so. And... I yeah. didn't know what to expect back then, and I know the package was just insanity and Crack the Sky was in its entirety and all that stuff, but that is hands down one of my top five shows of all time. And so, fans, you oh, have thanks, to man. make sure you are checking out this tour. So with that, Brendan, thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for uh, thanks. Fun talking about physical media with you, too. So that was awesome.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. I was learning to the comfortable space. What is what? Freedom from suffering is scraping from day to day. The promise we can't untangle the
back. First track you heard is from Death Clock 4. That is Aortic Desecration. Guys, ah, make sure you're checking it out. What a week. It's like a, a big event for us coming up. We got Death Clock 4. We got the soundtrack and obviously the film Metalocalypse Army of the Doomstar is out August 22nd. You guys heard the entire complete series of Metalocalypse dropped already. So make sure if you guys haven't picked it up, this is new to you, go get that physical copy. I'm telling you guys, you buy the physical copies of this Blu-ray DVD, those numbers alone are going to get us more if, 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 if we need it. Everything matters when it comes to that. So if you guys can, check it out how you do, but support those physical copies. Me and Brendan talked a lot about that in the interview. Second song you guys heard is the latest from a band called Capra. That track is called Tied Up. Their new album, Airs, is coming out October 6th. If you guys haven't checked out Capra, you really got to check out Airs, this record. I know we're a couple weeks early, but man, they're gonna be the hype's going to keep going. Errors is coming out October 6th. And the last song you heard is from a band called Knife. Heaven Into Dust, that is the name of the record. That's the track you heard. That's the title track. Their new album is coming out August 25th, and I am enjoying it a whole lot. So make sure if you guys haven't checked out the latest from Knife, Heaven Into Dust, make sure you guys do. And with that, all we ask for on a podcast, what is it, Sylvia? What is all we ask for at the podcast? I'm going to have you do the outro this week as a test. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh review us on the apple itunes a five-star review on the apple itunes iTunes is all we ask for that's a podcast that's it um and and you don't even have to say anything just like rate it that's it just rate it move on we don't read comments uh and then uh obviously we have an uh (laughs) obviously other other (laughs) our other podcast guys it's called rise to offend it's a documentary discussion podcast we've done six hour episodes on phil anselmo we did bring up the white power incident we did six hour episodes on peter Steele. we brought up the agnostic uh, front song he wrote um we didn't skip over any of those ugly things and we said hey man human beings do this so go check out rise to offend if you got time we got six-hour documentaries out there. They're archive episodes, but we've also done other things. We've done Natural Born Killers. We've done Married with Children. We've done Andrew Dice Clay. We've done Bill Hicks. Anything that's offensive in society and their legacy today. Uh, and most of their legacies are always fine if they own up to whatever mistakes they had. So <laughs> with that, you guys are the best. We truly appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.